blessing. Doesn't the good music just bless your heart? That is so good. Thank you so much, Jeff, and musicians, and all those who work so hard to honor the Lord and uh, help us as we worship together. Take your copy of God's Word this morning. Go to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. First uh, book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. I want us to think for a few minutes about these wise men who came from the east uh, to visit Jesus. You would think the birth of the king of kings would have garnered much attention, but when we read the Bible, we find that it was fairly unnoticed by the world. You would think that when the God of all creation came into the world, that the kings and leaders of the world would lay their scepters and crowns at his feet, but uh, no such thing happened. You might expect that the Jews who had so long desired to have their king come would have met him with enthusiasm. That didn't happen. Of all the people in the world that should have been prepared for his arrival, Israel should have been prepared, but they were not. In the world, though, in that day, there was an anticipation, if you read history, of some birth of a king in that time of, of humanity. No one was really prepared. No one, no one really paid attention in, in mass. The Bible says there were a few people who, who took notice, some shepherds, in Luke chapter 2, when Jesus was born, the angels came to the shepherds out in the field and sang and announced the birth of Christ, and they were enthusiastic. In fact, they said, let's go find this babe, and they did, and they worshiped. And then they gave testimony. If you read the account, they, they went throughout telling people what they had seen and what they had heard. Didn't make a lot of difference. No one really listened. Then uh, Simeon and Anna, great passage there in Luke. Simeon, a devout man, eight days after Jesus was born, they obeyed the law. They brought him to Jerusalem, brought him to the temple to present him to the Lord. And Simeon had been promised by the Lord through the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah. And he declared openly and publicly, here he is. And then Anna, a prophetess, said the same thing. So you have shepherds and men and women, devout men and women, giving testimony to who Jesus is and who he was and no one really paid attention. And I just bring that up to say it highlights the failure of all humanity, that, that God would come into the world and no one would pay attention. And certainly among the Jews, the religious leaders certainly should have known. I mean, they were experts in the law and experts in the prophets. They knew when Herod asked them where Jesus would be born, but they weren't ready for their king to come. One writer said that nothing will awaken the heart of those who have chosen to be ignorant of the truth. And uh, what a great statement. Uh, willful ignorance is probably the worst kind, you know. I mean, it's one thing to not know something, but it's another to know something and then choose to ignore it. And so the world is highly uh, guilty of that. I would say today, as we begin to read this passage, the world is grossly negligent in what it and acting on what it knows. And we are guilty of willful ignorance many times with regard uh, to Jesus and God's Word and what God has done in the world, particularly those in this country 
who have such light and such privilege to hear the gospel and to celebrate and know who Jesus is, and yet they choose to be ignorant of, of what's most important. Well, we have in this passage uh, a part of the scripture that I enjoy very much every year at Christmas, these wise men. Among all the people who came to worship Jesus, they're among my favorite. I don't know why, I just, I just think the, the whole story of how they came from afar and and, and how they came to look for Jesus when the people that lived around there who should have known were willfully blind, these men from afar, these Gentiles who weren't even Jews who would come to seek Jesus, they paid attention. When most of the world wasn't paying attention, they paid attention. Now by the time they came to see Jesus, he was about two years old. It had been a couple of years, so he's a child. He's not, not an infant anymore. And you'll see that in the passage. Look at verses 1 and 2 as we pick up Matthew's account of these wise men coming to seek out Jesus. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. Bethlehem. Just a little place, pretty insignificant to most of the world, yet it was the place where Jacob buried Rachel. It was the place where Boaz and Ruth lived. It was David's home, King David, the greatest king of Israel. Most importantly, it was the place chosen for the birth of the real king, of the eternal king. It was the birthplace of Jesus in fact, it was prophesied of Bethlehem by Micah in Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Micah in the Old Testament foretold the birth of Christ in Bethlehem. The name means house of bread. How appropriate that the bread of life would come from that place, that little place. Now we're told here that Jesus, when he was born there, it was in the days of Herod the king. And we met this man last week in the pages of scripture. And Brother Roger and I were just talking about him before church started. Not a nice fella. In fact, evil and, and wicked and selfish and self-centered. In fact, we would call him an evil man. He was an Edomite. He was part Edomian. He wasn't all Jewish, and he, and he didn't have a right to the throne. It was appointed to him, given to him by the Romans in 40 B.C. as part of his support for them. They rewarded him by making him king over the region in Israel. This man had many flaws, but one of them was incredible jealousy over his place of power and over his throne. He would kill anyone whom he thought was a threat to his source of power and position and prestige. History tells us that Merimne, his wife, his favorite wife, by the way, he killed her because he thought she was a threat to his throne. Killed her mother too, Alexandra. So I guess if in that day you were a woman and you were going to marry Herod, he'd be really careful because uh, even if you were his favorite wife, he would kill you if you if you uh, seem to be a threat, he killed three of his own sons whom he thought would take his throne from him. So it was this man, this, uh, this upstanding citizen who uh, 
who was in charge when Jesus was born. Now these wise men, Matthew tells us, came to see Jesus, came to look for him, and they would naturally have come to Jerusalem, the capital. From their perspective, think about it, these Gentiles who didn't live in Israel, they would think if the king was born, where else would he be? If he was the recognized king of the Jews, certainly they would have him in Jerusalem, and certainly they would recognize him. So they come to Jerusalem to find Jesus. Now notice some things about these men. Number one, who were they? Now you can read commentaries and read history about them. They were, they were most likely magi from around Persia. Um, those men were held in, later it came to be not so much so, but at this time they were held in high esteem as, as experts of philosophy and medicine and natural science, particularly with the stars, astronomy and astrology. And they were, they were smart men. They weren't, they weren't uneducated. They were intelligent men. And so uh, these, these wise men from the east, if you will, came looking for Jesus. Now notice their question, which is particularly interesting. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? I like the way that question comes out because the Bible records it specifically. They didn't ask if he had been born. They said, where is he? They came with incredible confidence. We know he's been born. We just need to find him. It's not a question of if he's been born because all that we know says he has been born. And we, we want to see him. How unlike many today who are wishy-washy and unsure about Jesus and unsure about God's word and have a milk toast attitude and no backbone, May I say to us today, we can be sure and we can be confident in what God says. You can be sure Jesus is coming back. Amen. You can be sure he's going to set up his kingdom. You can be sure. You don't have to doubt it. You don't have to let, listen, you don't have to let people dissuade you or discourage you. The world is willfully ignorant. You know the truth. These men said, we know he's been born, we just want to find him. Confident they were, no doubt. Now that brings up this question, how did they know? I mean, think about it. They don't live around Israel. No, they, they live from the east. They live in a pagan land. These are Gentiles, they aren't Jews. How did they know? How, how could they be so confident? I mean, you would think maybe they put it all together and said, well, if our calculations are right, the king's been born. That's not, they, they, they're confident. How do they know? Well, let me give you some possibilities. We don't, the Bible doesn't say, it just says they knew and they came. It's not outside the realm of possibility that there were divine revelation. I mean, Gabriel's running around making all kinds of announcements, right? He's Mary and, and John the Baptist, mom and daddy. So who, you know, maybe God didn't record it in the Bible you know God, in His grace and mercy for the whole world, has certainly revealed Himself to Gentiles before, not just Jews. And so it's very possible that, that God divinely revealed to these men that His Son had come into the world. Another possibility is the Jews who lived in the region, their testimony. Remember the Babylonian captivity, not all the Jews came back. And there could be Jews there who were testifying that, hey, you know, the Messiah is coming, and never underestimate the power of personal testimony. 
when you share. And these men could have, could have heard the testimony from people who lived there, from Jews who lived there. One of my favorite thoughts is that's the area where Daniel hung out for a long time, wasn't it? And you know, Daniel, we know when we read the book of Daniel, he had some copies of the Old Testament, Jeremiah for sure. And when he died, he left them there. And I suppose Daniel, being one of the greatest wise men in that area to ever live, he probably wrote some stuff. What do you think? He probably wrote some things. And I just have to imagine that when these wise men are in training, part of Daniel's stuff might have been part of their curriculum for all I know. The point is, Daniel lived there. He left the scriptures there, the testimony of Daniel, certainly the prophet. And then we know that they saw a star. They saw, they saw a star that was out of order. Remember, these are experts in the natural sciences. They watched the stars. And when something unusual happened, they paid attention. And maybe it was a combination of many of these things that they saw this star, they begin to calculate and they begin to think, this is something unusual. But here's the most intriguing part about the wise men for me. Somehow they connected that unusual star with Jesus. Somehow they made the connection that that's not normal. We haven't seen that before. In fact, that's so unusual, we ought to, we ought to figure out what that is. And somehow they made the connection. None again, not impossible for God. God could have, could have revealed to them what that meant. We don't know. But the fact is these wise men used all the resources they had, used all the stuff that, at their disposal to seek out Jesus. Which brings me to this thought. We have much more than they ever had. We have much more revelation than they ever had. And very few people are seeking Jesus. Very few are looking for him. These men were. Now notice the next thing it says here, which again is just as impressive as them figuring out that it's Jesus that's related to this star, the king of the Jews. Said so they came to what? Worship him. Proskuneo. It means to to honor, to prostrate oneself before. It means to show respect, to worship and obeisance. These Gentile wise men get the whole picture here. They come to Jerusalem saying, we're looking for the king of the Jews. We don't doubt that he's been born because we've put all the pieces together and we know he's been born and we want to worship him. Now, there are some people who would say, well, they just wanted to show respect. It really wasn't worship. I don't believe that for a minute. Men would not leave their home, travel all the way from the east, hundreds of miles, looking for a baby that they're sure was born, who's going to be the king, just to say, nice to meet you. No, these guys put the pieces together and said, man, this is the... This is the promised one, the king of the Jews. They had to make the connection to God, to Jehovah, for deity. They came to worship him. They came to fall down before him. They came to honor him. In my, in my estimation, when I study the scriptures, these guys are the equivalent of Old Testament people who believed. 
They, they had revelation. Again, whatever degrees they put it together. And they figured out Jesus is born somewhere in Israel and we need to go find him and we need to worship him. Made me think of two things this week. Shame on the religious leaders in Israel. Shame on them. Here are these, these men from a faraway place, Gentiles, who have a fraction of the understanding that they had as religious leaders in Israel. And these men acted on what they knew and sacrificed and spent money and traveled months to come to Jerusalem and find Jesus and worship him. I said a moment ago, what a shame it is that men and women have so much light and revelation about God today and yet don't respond to the light. In my travels around the world, this was true. Now, I haven't traveled abroad for 20 years, 25 years now. But in this country, in this country, I've gone door to door sharing the gospel with people. I've knocked on doors. I've stood on the street corner and talked to people mowing their grass. I've gone door to door, walked around neighborhoods trying to talk to people. You know what I get most of the time? Apathy. Even, even if once they figure out who I am, they'll be cordial, it's apathy. And many, when they find out what I'm doing, are unkind and they're not cordial. It's very difficult here in this country to share with people because they're, they're, they're decided already. I don't want that. They know what I'm talking about. Conversely, I've talked to people about Jesus around the world as I traveled. I would meet people. There's an openness in many parts of the world. George and Amy, for instance, in the Philippines, they can go into the schools and they can go into government agencies and share the gospel and be, and be a ministry with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't do that here. You can't do it here. They won't let me go into high school down here at lunchtime and walk around and share the gospel with the kids. They won't let me do that. These men from the East came to find Jesus. The people who lived there, the religious leaders who had all the light, who had all the understanding, who had all the opportunity, all the privilege, we might say, they weren't interested. What was the problem with the religious leaders? Watch this connection. They were too busy with their lives. They were too busy with their executive positions as religious leaders in Israel and all the acclaim that came with that. They were too busy with their religious exercises to really know God. Boy, you see a parallel there? In this country, we're so busy. We're so busy with everything that we have such an apathy for God, such an apathy for, for the truth. We have allowed in this country things in life to supersede our priority of serving God. So did those religious leaders. They were more interested in the money they could make and their position that they weren't really paying attention 
Unfortunately, I believe when Jesus raptures the church, there's going to be a lot of people who name the name of Jesus who are going to be surprised. And many will get left here because they aren't really saved at all. Because they're overcome by the world. These religious leaders, shame on them. Secondly, these wise men are what I would call a foreshadow of the church, of the gospel. You see, the Jews would eventually reject Jesus and they would hand him over to the Romans and be crucified. And then dying on the cross to pay for the sin of the whole world, he would resurrect from the dead three days later in victory over the grave and over death and over sin. And having made the sacrifice for the sin of the whole world, he would open the way for all to be saved. He would open the way for anybody who wants to come to come. These wise men who came from the east and put their faith in this, in this newborn king were an example of all that would come. You see, when the Jews rejected Jesus, the rest of the world came. You and I who are Gentiles, we're saved because Jesus came. And just like those men, we come to him. We who were outcast. You see, before Jesus came, it was Jews and everybody else. And the Jews said, man, we, we got God. If you want him, you got to come through us. Well, no more. You come to Jesus. And everybody can come. Any tongue, any tribe, any nation, every person, every man and woman, every boy and girl. God offers salvation. These men were a type of that, a picture of that. I would say to you today and those who are watching online, be like these men. Humble your heart. Set aside your pride. Set aside the cares of the world. Come to Jesus and be saved. Come to the king and bow before him. Ask him to forgive your sin. Be born again. Be in his family. Have eternal life. You see, the cares of this world and all the things that the religious leaders cared for, it all passed away. In AD 70, the Romans destroyed the temple. It's all gone. Jesus is forever. A relationship with Jesus is forever. So make the wise choice. Now, what do you think happened when Herod found out about this baby? Knowing his disposition and his demeanor. Well, look at verses 3 to 8. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me, and I will come and worship him also. Liar, liar, right? That's not his intention. Herod was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Why do you suppose that was true? Well, when Herod was troubled, everybody else was troubled. Because they knew Herod's demeanor. They knew his character. And once the people heard that a, that a king was born and these wise men came to search out a king who would be king of the Jews, and Herod found out about it, they knew he would stop at nothing to try to kill that child. And so they were afraid of what it might mean for them and their families. They were troubled. 
So Herod called in the experts, called in the high priests and the scribes and those who were experts in the law, and he said, tell me about this king of the Jews. Tell me about where he's supposed to be born. And in Micah 5, 2, we read it earlier, Bethlehem of Judea. Now again, what an indictment. Their own testimony is an indictment against them that they know where Jesus would be born and they don't go there. They know where Jesus would be born and they don't go looking. They know. Some of you today who are listening online or here, you know you need to be saved. You know it. There's not a question about it. You know you're lost. You know Jesus died for you. You know you need to be saved, but you won't come. Same thing. You know, but you won't come. When you stand in front of Jesus one day and he's your judge, you got nobody to blame but you. Because you know. Hey, here's a novel idea. You know what you ought to do, do it. Ask God to forgive you. Ask him to save you. Put aside your sin. Let God take it away from you. Come to Jesus. These men knew, and they were not ready. Herod hatched a bloody plan when he found out where Jesus was to be born, where the baby was to be born. So he says to these men, he says, uh, you go find him, and uh, when you find him, you send word back to me so I can come worship him as well. Oh, what was Herod's plan? He wanted to kill Jesus. Later on, he's going to find out that these wise men didn't do what he asked them to do, and he's going to go into that region and kill all the children two years old and under, all the baby boys. Why? He's trying to use a, a shotgun blast to make sure he gets this newborn king. So he says to these men, he says, you go find him, and you bring word back to me so that I can come worship him as well. Now notice what these men did in verse 9, these wise men. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from the, for their own country another way. This star, let's talk about that star again for just a minute. They go to Jerusalem to look for Jesus and they, they leave to go look for him and the star appears again and leads them and guides them. I've read many opinions about this star, about what it is and where it came from, and many scholars have tried to connect it to some natural occurrence that God used. Can we just agree that God, the creator of all things, can make a star do whatever he wants it to do? How about that? How about we don't need to explain it? How about when the Bible says the star led them where they needed to go? and hovered over the place where Jesus was, whether it was a celestial uh, instrument that God stuck up in the sky or an angel or, or whatever, it, whatever it was, these wise men saw it, they, they made the connection, and they followed it. 
and they followed God's leading in their life to where they needed to be. In fact, we could say of the things about these wise men, they were divinely directed. Why were they divinely directed? Because they were willing to be directed. They were willing to follow God's revelation. Do you know why more Christians today don't walk in the way they ought to walk? Because they're not willing to. Because they don't want to. Why is it more people don't come to Christ? Because they're not looking for him. And they're not receptive to what they see and what they hear. These men were looking for Jesus. And because they were looking for Jesus, because they received what they already had, and because they studied it and understood it and put the pieces together, God gave them more revelation. Sometimes people will say to me, Pastor, I read the Bible and I don't understand. Okay, you can't eat the whole cake at one time, all right? Start, start with one piece that you do understand and build on that, all right? Start with the piece that you have, understand it, and here's what I promise you, God the Holy Spirit will give you more. Just like these guys. If you start with what you know, which is salvation, Jesus is Lord, I've trusted him, he saved me, now what do I do? Keep pursuing him. Keep following him. Stay close to him. Ask God for direction. I don't know if he's going to send you a star to follow or not. Probably not. But you have the brightest light you could ever have in this book. So follow it. Read it. And, and I'll assure you this. If you read a chapter and you go, I didn't get 90% of that, the 10% will be good. The 10% you got will be sweet. And the 10% you got will stay with you. And then the next time you study, that 10% will become 11 or 12% because God will add something else to it. God gave these guys a light and showed them the way. I love that. They took the step. They left their home, traveled all the way over there, ran into a king who's crazy. And I suspect they knew that. You know, they probably met with this guy, and when they walk out of there going down the road going, whoo, man, the bats are running around the attic up there. You know, so they go on their way, and God gives them the light. Then I like the part they worship Jesus. That's the best part. I don't know how, I don't know where to, what Mary and Jesus were doing. He's a little, he's a boy, he's a little boy, and they come in, these men. Don't you wonder all the details, how they're announced? Did they knock on the door? Hello, three wise men from these. Can we come in? I don't know. You know, Joe, I don't, you know, we don't know when Joseph died. We don't know anything. But they show up, they find Jesus, and they find Mary. And they come in and they worship him. They fall down before him. And then they give him gifts. I mean, I, I don't have time to get into this. Joseph and Mary are poor. These guys bring gifts. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. I mean, must have been some kind of boon for the family that they give these gifts to Jesus. So these wise men come and they, and they, and they give these gifts and they worship Jesus. Can I say to you that for 2,000 years now, us, us strangers have been coming to worship Jesus, right? Around the world, 2,000 years now, plus. And until Jesus comes back, 
people are still worshiping Jesus. Let me tell you the last couple of things. Don't you listen to the world. The world, I read a thing here a week ago where somebody accused Christians of trying to build a, a nationalistic theocracy. I wanted to write that person and go, you don't even know what that word means. Stop. <laughs> Stop using words you don't have any sense with, okay? I'm convinced that some of the, well, I'm convinced that some of the people who write, who do stuff on the news and write stuff, sit around and look up words to sound smart. Don't, don't you listen to that nonsense. We know, just as these guys did, we know who the king is. And no matter what the world does, and no matter what society does, no matter what they say is okay and ain't okay, we got the book. We know the score. So let them rant and rave. Let them do whatever they do. Let them be mad. Let them, let them hate because the world's been hating Jesus for a long time. This ain't the first generation. Just be like these guys. I don't care how far I got to travel. I don't care what it costs me. I'm going to find Jesus, and I'm going to serve him, and I'm going to worship him. Now, they were warned. Here, here's another indicator that I think these guys knew God. Because God divinely warned them in a dream. God said, don't you go back. Don't go back and talk to Herod. And they obeyed. God in a dream said, don't go back and tell Herod where the child's at. And they probably already knew something ain't right about him. He's going you know, to try to do something nefarious. So they went home another way. They were obedient to what God told them to do. Everything about these guys, everything about them indicates that they believe God and they listen to God. Is that, does that not define a relationship with God? Sure it does. So what a wonderful testimony these guys were. They went home a different way in obedience to God. In conclusion, think about this. In the midst of this great Jewish event, let's call it that way, the birth of the king, the promised one, their Messiah. It's all Jewish. It's all, about, it's all about their scripture, their prophecy. The king's coming. In the midst of that, there's some Gentile dudes who are watching from afar. And they said, hmm, I'm going to get in on some of that. that. That king's being born over there, and we got all these signs and all this stuff put together. Uh, let's go see him. And so they all get their caravan together, their camels and their stuff. And make no mistake now, we didn't talk about it. The expense of traveling from there to there and bringing their gifts and the logistics was no small thing. They didn't catch a flight. They didn't jump in their SUV and drive down there. They walked, okay? They walked. But they were determined to find the newborn king. How determined are you to find a newborn king? How committed are you to find Jesus and follow him? The invitation today is come to him. Jesus made it easy. You ain't got to load camels and walk a long ways. You know what you got to do? Ask him. He's there. He's available. Ask him. If you've never been saved today, would you pray to receive Christ? Would you follow the example of these guys? Would you come to him wherever you are this morning? Let's pray. 
Thank you, Father, for this passage, these wise men. Lord, they were considered wise in the ways of the world, but Lord, spiritually, they were very wise. They knew where truth was, and Lord, they followed it. And God, there's every indication that they knew you. Thank you for recording this passage. Lord, what an encouragement it is for us to see in those men the gospel as it would go throughout the world. Father, there may be somebody here today, somebody listening online, somebody in this place, and God, they've never been saved. And maybe they have for years been willfully ignorant of the truth, very aware of what they need to do, very aware that it takes personal faith in your son, Jesus Christ, to be saved. And yet, Lord, they've not done that. Right now, in this moment, God, may they just pray, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Save my soul, Lord. Save me today. God, you'll save all who ask. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing. I'll be here if I can pray with you or help you. You come on the first verse. Thank you for being here this morning. Again, to reiterate what Jeff said, next Sunday is Christmas, Christmas Day. We're going to have one service at 1030 here. So get up in the morning, open your gifts, have a cup of coffee, read the Bible, read the Christmas story, and then come here and let's worship together, okay? We're going to sing. What better day to worship Jesus than on the day that we celebrate his birth, right? So come here and uh, be with us at 1030 next Sunday morning. No evening service, but we'll be here to worship that morning. Anything else? Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for the fellowship. Thank you for, the, for how, how good it is to be together and sing and worship you. Uh, Lord, I pray today you were pleased and honored in all we did. In Jesus' name, amen.